Welcome back to In the Field. This is episode two with a friend of mine, Scott Logan, who is the CMO at Chronologic. They are a fantastic SaaS solution for calendaring, specifically with helping in the event space, helping you get next steps happening quickly with the use of AI on the calendar while you're still looking somebody in the eye. Fantastic company, fantastic platform, and Scott has been an absolutely fantastic guest. Before we jump on into that, as is the case with every other episode of this podcast, a little shout out from our main sponsor, which as you would guess is Mobley, my company. Mobley helps you and your field strategy by providing a universal lead capture application that you can use anywhere, not just at an event. You don't need to tie into event APIs and pay for access there when scanning badges because Mobley just takes a picture of the badge or business card being provided, instantly enriches that data and pushes it right to your CRM in seconds. Go ahead and check Mobley out. We have just launched out of beta. We have a lot of happy users and we'd love for you to be the next one. Let's go ahead and jump right on into the episode. Okay, welcome to episode two of In the Field. Today, I have Scott Logan, who runs marketing for Chronologic. Scott and I met at an AAISP event out in Chicago back in April and found out that we live just a couple of miles from each other. So we, we've hung out a little bit since then. Scott, how are you doing today, man? Good. How are you, Zach? I am fantastic. Other than I had ramen today. And I purposely did not wear a white shirt because I always spell ramen when I wear a white shirt and it didn't matter. Like yellow is, is light enough where I still have it all over myself. <laughs> but that's what, that's what my mother-in-law wanted to have. I, I went to lunch with her and a coworker who wanted to pick my brain about things. Outside of that, things are fantastic. Awesome. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, fresh ramen is always good. Get you going for the day for the second half anyway. Right. Now I, um, my, my last company, I spent probably a week, a month in Tulsa where we had a big sales office mm-hmm. and I discovered this awesome ramen place and it became my go-to. Like that'd be the first place I ate every time I went there. And I thought I was like this super cool, hip Tulsa local joint. Oh no, it's a national chain. <laughs> and and now they, they opened one just around the corner from us. So I'm not any less loyal to it, but uh, but I I feel like I was punked a little bit with with Jinya ramen, but Jinya is yeah. amazing if if you haven't been. Yeah, when I was working in Los Angeles every week uh, for a few years, they uh, there was a strip mall across the parking lot from our office, and that was genuinely like your hole in the wall family owned ramen place, and I have yet to have better ramen anywhere in the country than that place. So I hear you. When you find a good place that serves good ramen, you got to just stay loyal to it. It feels special. Yeah. You're going to find out it's part of the same chain. You'll be so pissed. I'm just not going to look just in case it is. There we go. There we go. Cool. Well, I wanted to chat with you today a little bit because our companies are attacking 
really the same problem in, in different ways. And I, I think the way Chronologic attacks it is, is fantastic. But before we get into that, why don't you just give the listeners a little bit of a background on yourself, what you do, what you've done, so they just know you a little bit better? Yeah, I'll kind of tailor it to events since that's kind of what our talk track is about and how it started. So I started out as a sales rep back when I was in college. However, I was one of those annoying people when this was legal to do, hawking blankets and jackets and towels for credit card applications. And so I would be at some kind of a sporting event or festival or concert, and I would have to convince people to give me their social security number, apply for a credit card for a blanket on a chilly night or something. And so it's basically booth work, right? You're scoping out people as they walk by in the masses, figuring out how to stop them, how to engage them, how to ask the right question that forces them to think a little bit so they can't just pass you by. All those things kind of were a training in the works for my marketing career when I started training reps on how to actually manage a booth and drive leads at a booth. And for me, I was closing, quote unquote, the deal by getting the credit card application right there live and, you know, making a few hundred bucks every weekend for a couple of days was awesome. But when I got into my marketing career, once I graduated, moving from marketing operations, then to demand generation, and then leading demand gen teams, and then building entire marketing teams since 2016, basically, And events has always been a big part of it because you know when you go there, you're going to have, if you've done your research, all the right ICP, your ideal customer profile, the majority of your buyers are there. Typically, the people who go to the events are folks who want to change, who want to know what's new, who want to do something different. So it's like your high intent ideal customers gathering in one spot in person. And so it's always been a part of what what I've done, but I definitely see companies who botch it or spend money and they just basically don't get the value. And I can just see by how they run their setup, what they're doing in the booth, whether or not they're going to get the value or not uh, after the event. And you can still do everything right and get hosed on your ROI. So uh, there's definitely a science to it. Okay, so let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What what are some examples of things that that a company can do that will totally just ruin any sort of potential ROI at an event that that they might do unintentionally? Anything that you've noticed? I'm going to start where you don't think I'm going to start, and that's hiring the right events person. And it's based on a mistake that I made where I at one point in time when I was building out a team, hired someone who was a recommended person and to this day, probably the most detail-oriented, fine-tuning logistics events person ever. Uh, They had a long history of President's Club uh, event management to customer event management, uh, things like that. And she was fantastic in that regard. Little did I know she'd been doing that for so long, she couldn't wrap her head around the lead generation part of it. 
and the training on what needs to happen before, during, and after the event was literally starting from scratch as if the person or someone was right out of college and never had any job experience before because I was naive at the time. This is maybe, you know, almost 10 years ago now and just didn't think there was going to be a big learning curve there. So you need to make sure that you have someone who's not only good at events and running them, but also understands the sales process, has had demand gen uh, jobs in their past, or at least supported the demand gen team or a sales team, and understands the nuances of what a sales team's role with an event is and how you need to work with them. So somebody who understands that it's more than just a pretty booth and, hey, let's have some really cool swag. They're actually thinking about making money from the event, what you would you would think what? But for yeah. instance, Cvent is one of the largest uh, event software companies out there. Yeah. Their user conference is, I think it's twenty five thousand people in attendance at that conference. So we thought, hell, let's go do it. Let's check it out. Let's let's sponsor. And everybody, I'm talking everyone, were logistics focused event people. We couldn't find demand generation focused folks. So make sure that when you're interviewing, when you're hiring, their resume and their interview questions are tailored towards what you need, not just the event side. I love that because you're right. That's not where I thought you would go. However, I agree completely with it after hearing you say that. Anything yeah. else that that sticks out as, as something yep. that, that people are doing wrong that they might not realize? So when you're going to event, you need to make sure that you're not just banking on the ROI and the pipeline coming from the booth conversations. That should be like the cherry or the sugar on top. The actual bulk of the value should come from, or a large portion of that should come from the meetings that you set up ahead of time. So you know you chose a really quality event if there's people there that your executives want to meet with, like other executives. The sales team has customers who are going there or target prospects or people in the pipeline who are already there and you're setting meetings up ahead of time with them. And maybe even there's some high intent ABM accounts that you want to be able to get in touch with while you're there. All of those things should be done starting probably a month out to be able to get on their schedule, get a hold of them, Say, are you going there? Validate that they're going to be there and then schedule time. Now, most of those meetings will probably end up getting scheduled within the first two weeks. But if you start two weeks out, you're going to run out of time. So you can really go into an event confident that you're going to get some value out of it, especially if you set up meetings for your executives ahead of the show. They're going to see the value of what you're doing. So when you take that plus the booth stuff, and then you have a really strong follow-up process afterwards, which we can talk about that later. Those are the three elements in which make a successful show. And that workload should probably go a third of the work is ahead of the show, not just a logistics piece. That's a given in my mind to do a quality job on that. Do a quality job of qualifying people during the show, which that's another yeah. training of the reps and getting them on board. And then there's the follow-up afterwards. 
I would also say that it's really important to not check out the second the show ends for the day. Like at 5 p.m. when it's over, that doesn't mean that the work stops. So with my last company, one of the one of our portfolio companies, they they owned our space because at every event they were hanging out at the hotel bars buying drinks for any potential customer every night, staying out, making themselves super tired, staying out till 11, 12, 1 a.m., but building those relationships outside of the, the people stopping by the booth and taking full advantage of every second that they have available to have FaceTime with people that they could be selling to, not just the 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the floor. Yep, exactly. You should be going to the events afterwards, but not getting out of control. Oh, for sure. You should be networking with them, doing all the things that you should be doing because you're spending a lot of time and money to get out there and get as much face time with the people that you can. Like when you go into a lunch table room, scope out the people you want to meet and then go eat lunch with them just randomly, quote unquote sit down at that table as opposed to congregating with your team. Or when you go out to parties, don't just go with your team, literally divide and conquer amongst the people who are there to go network with those people at that moment, because you're going to get much better traction on what deals come out of that show or heavily influenced by that show by the work you do in those after hours bits than when you're actually just having booth conversations. So some value can come from that too. Okay, quick break to remind you that if you are going to any of the following events in September, HubSpot Inbound, Saster, Dreamforce, or here locally in Utah, Silicon Slope Summit, hit us up. Go to getmobily.com forward slash events. We have a lot of adjacent events. As an example, at Inbound, we're hosting a ping pong tournament as a pre-event party the night before. Dinner and drinks at Saster, taking a bunch of people to a Giants game during Dreamforce, doing go-kart racing at Slope Summit, and you are invited. All of these events are free of charge for you. Great way to network with your peers and get to know us and have some fun. We're giving away some cool prizes, doing drawings, and it's just a good way to let your hair down after long days walking trade show floors and listening to speakers. So go to getmobily.com forward slash events, and we will see you there. Back to the show. Talk to me a little bit about Chronologic. I mean, Mobly was built because we saw this problem of how freaking hard it is to get leads back in the hands of sales reps after an event. And by the time the average company gets it back in the hands of a sales rep, that person has moved on with their life, whether it's buying from a competitor or they just don't have the urgency anymore. And Chronologic helps solve a lot of those same problems. Tell me a little bit about about the unique way that that you're addressing the problems and what specific problems it is that you're solving. Yep. So one of the things that you wish you could do forever until now for me and anyone else uses Chronologic is... What if you could just schedule a meeting with someone right then and there when you're in the conversation with them and their interest is at its highest peak and they don't have the whole rest of the show that they're worried about and what session they're going to next and and they've already had 10 or 20 conversations after they left your booth. It's just right then and there. 
Well, what we do is we automate the scheduling of meetings. So what you can do with Chronologic is, and you can do this in your own fashion as well. You can like save a, a calendar file for folks and then just send out that saved template to them. But with us, you can actually just ask for their email, enter it into a one field form that's auto-generated by our platform, hit schedule meeting and have that meeting automatically send that invite with the context of a follow-up email right then and there. While you're talking to them, it lands in their inbox. You can even say, hey, I just sent you an invite for that follow-up meeting we were just talking about or that we want to have. Can you check to see if it's there? They open their phone. It's already on their phone for the next week. It can be round robin to the SDR team back in the office. You can route it however you want. But the point being, you've got the meeting on the calendar for the follow-up before they even leave the booth. And at the very least, by the time they leave your booth, if you like quickly enter their email in as they're walking away and schedule the meeting, telling them that, hey, I'll just send you a meeting invite. That is the dream component of it. So that's really the magic of of how we're scheduling and engaging with people right then and there. So I've I've heard from several people, including like marketing and sales leaders, like, Oh, people don't want to be bothered right after the show or while they're walking the floor. It's best practice to start following up with them a week later when they've had time to decompress. Safe to say you disagree with that. No, I don't want to be bothered right when I come back either. I like <laughs> I even talked to a Forrester person. They said the week after the show is the worst time to follow up with someone because you can never get a hold of them because everyone's bombarding them at the same time with calls and emails. They're trying to get back to their regular life, play catch up a little bit. And then two weeks goes by and they can't even remember who they met with yesterday, let alone two weeks ago at the show. It's almost a lost cause unless you randomly have this amazing engagement. You get a hold of them right at the right time. It's like a 3% lead conversion as if it was just a content download at that point. So that's why you really need to get that meeting scheduled while you're there in the booth, which I know Mobley does a lot of that too. You're able to like scan their business card or scan their badge and get that contact information. If you're not using Chronologic to just schedule the meeting right then and there, I know with your solution, you could even send them the email right then and there. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do that, but you need to make sure that follow-up and hopefully even the meeting is scheduled at that moment, or your SDR team is going to say, that show sucks. No one ever oh, yeah. <laughs> answers a phone. They said they didn't even stop by our booth. Well, we got their badge scanned. The problem is 30 other booths scan their badge and they can't remember. And so the timeliness of that is where the value is, which is why I said the statement earlier of don't bank on your booth traffic for ROI. They're not going to remember your conversation unless it was the most memorable conversation of all time. Yeah, yeah. it, it blows my mind how many people, they, they go in thinking things are going to go great with no plan other than to show up and work the booth. And then it doesn't go great, surprise. So they, they start to, to change and pivot their language. They're like, oh, no, no, this was, this was a defensive play. Scott, we didn't come here to close deals. We came here for the branding. And, and that, that's, that was the plan the whole time. Like, no, it's not. That, that's a lame excuse. Like there, there can definitely be an element of that for sure, especially for larger deals, but you can and should be closing deals from leads that you pick up at the event if you work them properly. And 
And like there, there's no reason we should be throwing all of the speed to lead statistics out the window just because it's a little bit harder at an event. And I think that's perfect justification for why companies like both Chronologic and Mobley exist is to help with that and, and show people that, no, you this can be an ROI generating thing. It's not just a branding play. Yep. Yep. And there is always a branding play piece of it where sure. say you don't show up to a show like one year we did that at a different company. And all of a sudden, the market freaks out. Why aren't they at this show? It, and we're like, well, it didn't show our Are they going so bankrupt? Go or, yeah. We finally did the thing that we threatened sales with, but never do of, we won't go next year. Well, we didn't, and it was a disaster. Like, we were playing defense nonstop as to why we weren't at this big show. And so, you know, and sales knows, there are certain shows you're just going to go to. But... You can no longer justify with how budgets are tight right now. And if they continue to be this tight for the market where it's not grow at all costs, it's, you know, show value. Um, you need to do these things. You need to do that pre-work to get those meetings set up ahead of time. You need to do the work of getting the conversation flowing into booking a meeting while you're conversing with them and play booth police. Don't let your reps just sit there and smile. I did a whole making fun of marketing series where uh, I show the different booth personalities of the bad things to do. Don't sit back and smile and wave and be the Walmart greeter. Um, don't be a scandamaniac where you're going and scanning badges before you even go and say hi. And you need to just cordially go out into the hallway of your aisle Look them in the eye, say hi, reach your hand out and shake hands, and they'll shake hands back. And then if you have a good question, they'll engage you. Uh, you know, 10% of the time they'll walk by like you just stepped in something gross, but most of the time they will engage. And then that's your cue to then ask them some really quality questions. Uh, and that's kind of where you have to get on the case of the reps in the booth to also go out and engage in that proactive yeah. way but with professional courtesy yeah so our, our very first episode that i just recorded yesterday was with john selig i don't know if you know him but he um him, yep. yeah comedian and and he he's actually started joke writing for people for their booths where he, he gives them icebreakers for their sales reps and their marketing reps at the booth to ask to engage people so that they aren't the same as every other person at every booth. Hi, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Waving, right? And I agree. That's really good reinforcement to what he was saying. Yeah, it's so important to stand out by being different, but professional. I love that. So you mentioned making fun of marketing. I love that. I love the irony in it. Being a marketing leader yourself, you've got a podcast, you've got a whole series called Making Fun of Marketing. Tell me a little bit about that. So making fun of marketing is where I basically was looking at a lot of the best practices we were doing, but then also some of the things that were being told were best practices to the market that I'm like, that hasn't worked for like four or five years. Why, why are we still having people say this is the way to do things? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop complaining about it and I'm going to just start doing something about it. So I'm at Chronologic, which is a sales and marketing platform. And so uh, it was really in line with where I'm at to say, let's do this. Let's call it making fun of marketing and let's have the thought leaders on the show who are actually breaking the mold and doing stuff that is awesome. Like the Jay Bears, the Chris Walkers, the Tim Davidsons of the world, the folks who are out there doing things the right way that are different and 
being effective in today's world. And so that's what we do. We basically have a lot of fun making fun of these best practices that are ridiculous. And then we dive into the tactics and strategies that you should deploy instead. And so, you know, it's it's been fun. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. You can go to Chronologic website to watch the video version. It's on YouTube. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And we've been able to really bring some brand new ideas to life that most of the marketing community maybe hasn't had the information they need to make the changes they want to make. And so this this helps provide that. Cool. I know we both have to run. Scott, where can people find you if they want to connect to you? Connect to me on LinkedIn, Scott Logan, CMO of Chronologic. Check out the Chronologic website. If you want to try Chronologic for your next trade show, we do have a free two-week trial. So please go to the website and try that out. And yeah, I hope this was helpful for going into the fall event season. Hi, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks. Thanks.